Good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, Office Hours with my friend and mentor, Blaine Bartlett. Learn.blainebartlett.com. And with forward slash this week is LMM. Uh, so I got the multiple forward slashes, which means he is a multitasking, multi-professional, and uh, just a unbelievable mentor. So welcome, Blaine. How are you? Hey, buddy, I'm doing really, really, really well today. It's been a great day. Yeah. Every day is a great day. I know I'm doing very, very well, and I'm even doing better now because we have Liz here. And yep. uh, I just think the world uh, and obviously aligned with the impact player attitude itself. And she is an extraordinary CEO of her own group, the Wiseman Group, and also the author of the New York Times bestselling Multipliers and the Wall Street Journal's best-selling Rookie Smarts, and now her newest book, as I stated earlier, Impact Players. Liz, welcome to Office Hours. Oh, it's good to be here. You know, I kind of write books with a sports theme, so this is inevitable. It's amazing because all, all of my publishers, I, I have all of these. I'm, I, I love to write books about spiritual themes. But yeah, because of my background, they want me to make it a sports theme. So, you know, like it has to be game time decision making. I can't have like the great reconciliation of the speed of light and the speed of time or some metaphysical definition. It's all related back to sports. Um, but why for you do you uh, utilize sports uh, as a backdrop um, to the books that you write? Well, you know, sports are, are, are in, in many ways universally understood, even if you're not particularly athletic, like me, you know, I'm not a professional sports. My kids tease me. I have like a three inch vertical leap, you know? <laughs> <laughs> not a pro athlete right here, not in danger of being recruited even into a pickup game of anything. Even pickleball's watching out for you, right? Yeah, I, I, I can kind of hit a ball for, you know, it's close up. Pickleball's better than tennis for me at this point, but it's we've all played sports or we've watched sports and it creates this common metaphor. Like it's accelerated learning. And um, I think they provide wonderful metaphors for the business world. Yeah. Whether I mean, you're handling it or not. Even, I mean, just, just your use of the term a vertical leap. I mean, people know what a vertical leap is, even if they, even if it's only three inches. Yeah. <laughs> even if you've never played the game of basketball, you kind of know what a no look pass is. Yeah. And impact players are people that you can go, you know what? Boom. I know you're in position. I know you're going to get this done. I hand it off to you in good faith. Mm -hmm. And, you know, beyond the, the impact. Oh, go ahead. Let me ask a question. No, I was going to say that just kind of leads right into the whole you know, the genre of uh, impact uh, impact players. Uh, people know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Jordan's an impact player. Scotty was an impact player. Yeah. yeah, you're making me think, Blaine, that maybe I do this because as an author, I'm sort of lazy. Like, I want the head start. It's like, I don't want to have to explain, like, what this standout contributor is that, like, is talented and makes a contribution, makes a team better. It's like, let's start with the term we understand. And and the workplace is full of impact players. The, you know, if you ask any manager... Who's the person you hand the ball to when, you know, you're in the fourth quarter, like when it's a critical moment and everything is on the line? You know, it's not always the best athlete. It's it's the person who understands the moment, the gravity of the moment, who will like make the play not just for themselves and their glory. They make the play for the team. And, and I had such a fun time 
studying who are these impact players on how they think, what's their mental game, what makes them different? And, and really, how does that affect entire organizations? Yeah. And you break it down into, you know, different ideas. And the first one being taking the lead and putting the impetus on ourselves in order to feel confident uh, when there is a situation that needs uh, someone to step up. Um, and you start by talking about how do we take uh, the lead as an impact player, because I think a lot of times people are afraid to let their light shine. And I see it as I get older um, and I see young talent that they hide their light. You know, they mm -hmm. hide their talent. They're, they're too afraid. You know, I, I just had a circumstance in my own business today where, you know, it was more about I'm too afraid to make the mistake or too afraid to tell you I made the mistake when, you know, I think what it, makes it easy to work for me is no one screwed up worse than me in their life. So I'm really easy to work for. <laughs> oh, you you could not lose enough money in one day to even, you know, blip my chart compared to the money I've lost in my life. Uh, and so I'm very forgiving, but what is it or how do we not just as players ourselves, but as executives uh, inspire people to, Hey man, take the lead let's let's make it happen mistakes are going to happen but how do we get that fire to have people try yeah well you know i love this idea of like letting their light shine and um, mm -hmm. the workplace is full of willing leaders but the problem is so many people are waiting to be asked waiting to be invited waiting to be anointed and given this kind of authority the title the office the the promotion and what the impact player understands is when there's a leadership vacuum, you know, somebody needs to step in and, and that opportunity is going to evaporate when we wait around for all the official kind of designations of leadership and, and they're willing leaders. They willingly step up, meaning, you know, if they're in a meeting and everyone's looking at each other, like, okay, who's in charge? We get, we're colleagues, we get, we're collaborating, but like somebody has to take the lead in these settings. Mm -hmm. And when other people are looking around, they're, they're like, you know what, would it be helpful if I took the lead on this? Hey, I'm willing to take this lead on the initi um, this initiative. But what makes them remarkable is not that they're willing to step up and lead. It's that they step back with the same grace mm -hmm. that they step up. So it's like, you know, they're not the kind that always has to be a leader. Think of, you know, I, I've got kids and you think of the, the parents who are always volunteering have to be the PTA president, want to be the room leader. Like they're always, you know, my sister, <laughs> <laughs> I hope she's watching. And, you know, at first we're so grateful that these people are willing to step into these vacuums and lead, but then we become a little bit suspicious. Like what's your motive? Why do you have to always be in the lead on this? Like, is this about doing something good for your kids or is this about benefiting everyone? And, we really trust the people who are willing to step up and say, I'll take a lead in a difficult situation. I'll fill this void, but I'm willing to step back and create space for somebody else to step up. And, you know, I was thinking about it. Both of these acts of stepping up and stepping back require incredible confidence, like confidence that I can add value. I'll mm -hmm. take the lead, but it also takes a lot of confidence that, you know what, if I step back, someone else can take the lead and they'll be able to do a good job as well. And if I'm not 
the leader of this particular project or initiative or moment, there's going to be another opportunity for me to shine, for me to play big and be of service to the team. You know, one of the things that you're talking about with that, Liz, and I love this, and, and, I, and I know that you've had this experience as the global head of uh, development at uh, Oracle, um, the idea of situational awareness or understanding what, what's the context actually asking for. And, and I love, again, you know, your, your term of the word grace, you know, grace in stepping forward, grace in stepping back. And I'm using word here as, you know, the word grace is a placeholder uh, or as a substitute for elegant. Mm. Now, in my experience, you know, the most elegant leaders are the ones that minimize the unintended consequences of their movement, of what they're yeah. doing. So they don't have to go back and clean up after themselves all of the time. Those yeah. are the players I absolutely love having around me. Mm. Yeah, because it doesn't look like a land grab. Exactly. You know, or, or showboating. But it's also like a graceful way of showing up, sometimes uninvited. And, you know, you mentioned my experience at Oracle. When I look back at my 17 years there, you know, my official job was the head of learning and development, the head of the university. But the most valuable work I did for the company was when I stepped outside my job. And probably the most valuable work I ever did was when I invited myself to a meeting that I wasn't invited to. But I thought, you know what? They're going to be doing work, really important work that I'm really good at. And I think they could really use me in this meeting. So I showed up to an, a meeting of all of Oracle's product heads. I'm the head of training. And I show up and they're like, what are, what are you doing here, Liz? And I'm like, well, you know, you've got to come up with a synthesized product strategy. And, you know, this is kind of how my mind works. I'm a synthesizer. And I thought maybe I could be of help. And, you know, a couple of people were like, huh, what? But then I sit there and I'm quiet and I'm listening and I'm trying to figure out where can I add value. And that process in that moment was a graceful one. I'm not mm -hmm. coming here trying to take over or tell anyone what to do. I think I can be of service and I'm going to slide in and offer my help, but then I'm going to slide back when my work is done. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, go ahead, Dave. Oh, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, I was just thinking, I mean, that kind of, you, you tricked something in my, in my mind here about the distinction that high performance uh, participants, high performance players in any venue make, and I'll just put it in a business context, you know, what's my job and what do I get paid for? Two very different questions. Hmm. Two very different questions. Yeah, and I, if, okay, yeah, I keep so interrupting you. See, I'm, not, I'm just not listening to Liz. I'm not stepping back. So finish up. Sorry. <laughs> No, 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 no. Go ahead. I... No, you, you, I just it was such an important thing because the premise of where my energy and perspective changed uh, as a, a corporate leader and as a corporate participant was not working. Um, and I think one of the aspects of my career is people will look at and perceive what I do is so much fun. And, you know, you, you have my dream job. You ran the notable sports agency. You have my dream job. You did these, you know, you're on these TV shows. You have my dream job. And yet I've always defined this as activity. I get paid for activity. I don't get paid for. Um, and so, you know, these activities, but I, I really want, because, you know, as we only have so much time and we get these tremendous guests that we could use for an hour, um, the, the one thing that's interesting through all your books is this idea, I call it exponentiality. Uh, mm -hmm. 
and you call it multiplication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've written that book, Multipliers, but again, in the title, you talk about this exponentiality of impact, uh, the multiplication that ex- exists. And so I was hoping from someone who's written about this in, in such a great way, if you could explain exponentiality or this multipliers you call of impact, you know, what exactly does, does that mean and how can we get the exponentiality out of our efforts? Well, uh, a multiplier is a name that I give to leaders who bring out the best in others. And in some ways, it doesn't even start with being a multiplier of talent. It, these are leaders who just use all of the talent available. And this was an observation that came from my time in the corporate world is that companies obsess over hiring really smart, capable talent. But then they forget to ask, like, are we fully utilizing that once it's in the door? And, you know, some leaders are so smart and so capable that they don't see all the intelligence around them and they end up using a fraction of people's real capability. And people describe working for these diminishing leaders as tiring and exhausting. They're underutilized, yet they're exhausted. And these multiplier leaders are leaders who see and use people's intelligence and they use all of it. And people give everything that they have and people say, man, it's, it's, it's like a great workout. It's tiring, but it's energizing. It's exhilarating. And, and these are leaders that not only use hundred percent of our capability, they're leaders. We get smarter and more capable around. They end up becoming these multipliers of our talent. And, you know, man, they got 150% of my capability, not because hey, I gave it the college or I left it on the field, not because of our effort, but because we grow so much under these leaders. They become users and multipliers of talent and people love working for them and they will do just about anything to measure up to the expectations that these leaders have. It's the money ball approach, not to use another sports analogy, the money ball <laughs> approach to, to corporate work and uh, being the Bill Belichick uh, of your own corporation to bring out the best. And it is a true, uh, I think, value of not just bringing the best out, but putting the talent in the right place. Uh, because I see a lot of times the lessons of taking somebody's weakness and moving it within your organization uh, turns into a real strength. And it's something I'm getting better at as I mature as, as an executive of taking weaknesses and moving them to a different place in my organization. And all of a sudden it becomes a superpower uh, instead of, you know, force feeding the, the round pegs and the square holes a lot of times. And so there's a duality to the multiplier uh, beyond bringing the best out of everyone. It's also putting them at the best place where they can perform uh, at their best as well. Liz, we got to have you back. Uh, obviously, extraordinary gift to our show. Great wisdom. That's probably why you have the family name of Wiseman. Uh, and, uh, Not we, my we, name. I'm an Alan. I married into it. Like Oh, you did. Honestly, well, you married into the right name. You married I, into I the right name. I realized for a decade that Wiseman meant anything other than my husband's last name. And someone was like, that's an advantageous name. I'm like, Really? And then I thought about it. So yeah, no, I just sort of married into the Wiseman. Well, very wise of you to marry into the wise name. So I like it. Anyway, please come back and join us. Of course, the CEO of Wiseman Group. Check out her new book, Impact Players, How to Take the Lead, Play Bigger, and Multiply Your Impact. An extraordinary gift. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you both. Bye-bye. I love having you on the show. 
Thank you. <laughs> what a great guest. Oh, wonderful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, very cool. Oh, we're going to just jump right back into it now with another wonderful woman. Uh, we are just blessed here. Talk about oh my names, God. right? My, my name means beloved servant. You have Liz Wiseman and now, uh, accordingly, uh, Patricia Love. Exactly, and that <laughs> is you, my name. <laughs> did you did you marry did you marry into love? Did you marry I into love? Into or... it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Patricia is the women's motivational and confidence coach, best-selling author as well, and extraordinary entrepreneur. Um, and your new book, which is interesting, seen and unheard: a little yeah. girl's journey from silence to empowerment. Um, and so many people, not just women, uh, sit in silence, um, and have this, uh, traumatic experience that never gets healed. And I see your book as one of healing and you're a person of healing as you motivate and create confidence in people to bring once again, the light out. What was your personal experience that you delve into um that has you know allowed you to really have some great insight on you know these life issues that we have that we work through and i assume you have kind of a personal uh uh intention in in what you do and what you write yeah actually it's interesting you asked that it was and it's funny because uh you know as i was going to be on this podcast um i was listening to your thinking of your name the office hours right and how in so many ways people put a mask on during office hours, during the times that they're working, during the times that they're stepping outside their home. They put that mask on to be somebody else because they're not, they, they're, they're, they're too vulnerable and they're, they're, they don't want to be who they really are. So they're basically seen and unheard in a lot of ways. Now, a lot of that comes from, from childhood like my did, mine did in a lot of other places. But I was just thinking about that, whereas so many people are wearing this mask every single day and you don't really know who they are, but yet they are full of uh, lack of self-esteem and lack of confidence and a lack of stuff, which is exactly where I came from. In, fa in fact, uh, I wore a mask till I was 57 years of age. Yet on the outside of that mask, when I put it on, I was a very successful realtor. Everybody else outside of me would have thought she's got everything in the world. She's got the cars. She's got the husband. She's got the houses. She's got all this stuff. In reality, when I went home and took the mask off, I was nobody. So it's a very interesting how that all kind of kind of flows together. But for me, um, it comes down to not just uh, traumas that people might have that maybe they feel that they they're not seen or they're not heard, but it's also behaviors of their, of, of their lifestyles. Mine, in, in fact, was not understanding finances, not understanding relationships because I wasn't ever taught really how to love and how to care. So all of these things kind of come together and you start learning you have to interrupt your behavior. So if it comes down to the fact of if you want to be seen and heard, you have to start acknowledging who you are and why you even want to change. Yeah, yeah, I love what you just said there, Patricia, around interrupting behavior. The idea that, and, and the, the study after study after study, 95% of our behavior is hardwired by the time we're about seven or eight years of age. Exactly. Certainly by the time we're 16 or 17. 
Um, and we call that the mindset. We call it beliefs of whatever it is. The only way anything new gets interjected, and, and what's interesting here, I'm going to just kind of back up a little bit. Sure. Today's the, um, the 20th. Yesterday was January 19th. January 19th is also known as um, uh, failure day, I guess is the word oh, I would use. For I think it. it's better to use that word. Really? Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's actually, it's, it's uh, Alzheimer's Day. And yeah, uh, I can't remember it. But <laughs> it's the day that most people quit their New Year's resolution. Oh, wow. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Anti coherence day. Anti coherence day. We make these promises to ourselves to be, do, or have something different, and we run right smack up into this hard wiring. And, and the, the, that internal voice is not heard. There's mm -hmm. so much in place here that doesn't allow for the voice of who, the spirit of who I am to really come out. And, and I, exactly. So interrupting, finding a way to interrupt it is the only way that you can you know, actually begin to reinstall something different. Interrupt yeah, the pattern. Yeah. Everybody knows that if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, like I was doing it for 57 years, and I kept wondering, why am I getting these same results, right? Why do I yeah. keep divorcing? Why do I keep not having a good relationship? Why do I have money than no money? You know, there was, I was, uh, there were behaviors that I wasn't willing to acknowledge. So I call that kind of a messy life, which is a, what a lot of people have. They have a lot of messes out there. But until they actually stop, and I always suggest get off that hamster wheel and start saying, okay, wait a minute, you know, what, what do I need to change and why do I need to change it? Because if you don't have a good why, it's like saying, yeah. what, you know, January 1st, I'm going to lose 25 pounds this week. You know, I'm going to lose 25 pounds in a month. But if you don't have a good reason to lose that 25 pounds, you probably might lose a few or you might say, oh, I'll just eat that cake anyway, because you don't have a good why. You got to have a good why to say, I'm not going to go back there because of this, this, and this. And in my case, I didn't want to go back to that lonely day of everything that hit the fan that, you know, broke, no money, uh, husband leaves for a younger woman, my mom, my mom, my mom dies, just all kinds of things happen. I had to sit there and go, wait a minute, maybe it's not all them. Maybe you play a part in this and maybe you need to interrupt some things to change and, and to make some changes, which I believe everybody has to do because everybody has messes, but so many people don't want to acknowledge it. They just, yeah. you know, they, they don't want to believe that they could possibly have some negativity around them or within them. Well, that energetic and genetic inheritance is hard to recognize as well as to shift, um, even though the patterns our parent in our familiar great grandparents, grandparents, parents lineage, as well as the patterns of, you know, three divorces or losing my job or going bankrupt twice or wh whatever right. the circumstances may be. What I find really interesting about today, and I've been in technology for so many years, applicable to so many different verticals, professions and skills and knowledge that I've seen. Um, but I haven't seen a confident you app <laughs> and I, it's and, 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 you know, I, I look at apps as, as, you know, just amazing things, but the biggest challenge to apps are like new year's resolutions, you know, 
cohering or remembering to utilize the app and actually utilizing it and building a big enough community to use an app uh, is just like an idea. Um, and so for you, uh, given that you understand how to build confidence, how do you get women to remember to use the app or to actually use it? Um, because that would make a significant impact or change. Sure. And I think people don't talk about that side of an app. Uh, they just talk about how great their apps are, but if no one's using it or remembering to use it, it's nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, if you don't know who, you, you know, it's like selling a book, you know, if you, no one knows about it, no one, you, no one's going to buy it. But it's, it's, I believe that, um, you have to just continually remind people. I mean, people need reminders on a daily basis. I mean, we forget to, we, we'd almost forget to brush our teeth if it didn't become a habit of some sort. You know, we have to, we have to create a habit sometime in that and creating that app, but that's no different than saying, okay, I'm going to make the decision of, of, of losing weight, or I'm going to make the decision to change my life. So, the, the women that I'm going to be talking to and the people that are going to be joining my app, Confident You, are going to be the ones that they really are going to dive in and have a why. They're not just going to get the the, the uh, Confident You just because they want to get it. This is somebody that actually really wants to change. And I only want women that really, or men, but basically I work with a lot of women that really want to change. Those are the people that will be consistent. Those are the people that want to do something different. I love the, um, my, one of my favorite quotes is, if I change the way I look at things, the things I look at change, right? By Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer. Love him. Well, it's actually, isn't it actually Xander's that wrote that originally and then it, Dyer? It could be. Something. Wayne yeah. Dyer yeah. hasn't listed. So, you know. That's mine, yeah. <laughs> could be Xander. I just love it. And it actually took me a while to figure that out, but. It's, it's really when we decide that we want to do something and make it a priority, right? Make something a priority. So I, the app itself, I have to make sure that people create it and make sure that they want to make have a priority in their life. Otherwise, I can't help anybody. You can't help right. anybody that doesn't want to help themselves. So that, and I'm very direct when it comes to that, when I'm talking to my women or coaching women, they say, look, I can't help it if you don't want to help yourself. So this may go on for a, a week coaching or we can go on and continue on, but we may be quitting it a week if you're not in, into it. So I believe that. And so I also believe that if you, you do remind people you are consistent with what you're doing and what your voice is and being seen and heard, it will, it will come to you. Cause I do believe in manifestation also. <laughs> I'm with you. Manifesting yeah, it's a vibrational it. conversation. It's all an energy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we certainly appreciate it. I think uh, manifestation is a big part of what we do. I think I even wrote my first book called Manifest All You Desire in Life and Business Connected to Goodness. Yep. So uh, Patricia, where can people, patricialove.com, where can people find the app? Uh, the, they the will be on Apple. It's, it's actually it's supposed to be come on today or tomorrow. I'm just like, just at the beginning, I'm just like, uh, uh, fingers crossed, you know how that goes. But confident you will be on Apple and Google, and um, you'll be able to just go to the, your Apple, you know, store and, and download it really easily. And it'll be a, you will see a lot of me. You'll see a lot of podcasting. You'll see a lots of interaction. There's gonna be a community. It's gonna be fantastic. So I'm excited about it. And then if they want, if it's not up yet, they can go to patricialove.com and it can sign up and they'll get more information. So absolutely, I love it. Make sure also to check out Seen and Unheard. Thank you so much. The name that says it all, Patricia Love, we loved having you on. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Hey, enjoy yeah. the sailboat. Yeah. What? 
enjoy your sailboat. Oh, I'm not on my boat right this moment. I know. <laughs> that, does it's a power like, boat. that does not look like a boat. It's a power boat, by the way. Can't go sailboat. Got a power boat. That a okay. girl. I love it. <laughs> well, you can invite us anytime. too slow for me. <laughs> there you go. Yes. We believe it. Thanks Thank you again. so much. You're awesome. Right. Take care. Thank you. Uh, All right, my friend. Now we move from the two lovely women to David Shapiro. I think I got eight friends named David Shapiro, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now I got nine. <laughs> you know the ones I know. Exactly. How many David Shapiros do you know we could play that game? Uh, president like of Pixelot North America, right once again up our alley. We were talking about impact all day. Um, and here is another person related to sports having, you know, this great impact on the advances in AI video production uh, with our sports. And uh, I think especially in the marketing side of things, AI plays such a significant role in sports uh, beyond training, beyond whatever uh, other aspects of, of uh just a multi-billion dollar industry for you and the video side, video production side, how has AI enhanced what you do and allowed you to work with uh, some of the biggest leagues, teams, and organizations in the world? Yeah. AI has, uh, I think really changed the game in sports, you know, not just at the highest levels, but all the way down into youth and amateur sports. Um, we're using AI to essentially democratize the production of sports events. So if you think back to, uh, you know, even 10 years ago, the only events that were being produced are the highest level, right? Mm -hmm. NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, and then Power Five Division One conferences. And even in the Power Five at USC, for example, it's mostly men's basketball, maybe a little women's basketball, football, a couple baseball games that are going to get produced. What we're doing is really democratizing that to make it available to every sports program on campus in colleges and then down into high school sports and youth sports. You know, I think back to my playing days, I played Division II baseball and zero of our games were produced. None of my high school games were produced. And that has changed now. I mean, we're producing every Friday night approximately 4,000 high school football games. Wow. wow. I, I will tell you that uh, I went to Occidental College and we made the national championships and they televised uh we we're in the final four for division three college football and merlin olsen uh who has passed obviously uh merlin olsen was on cbs who was covering the game and i was so excited you know i told all my friends to watch and we ended up losing uh, to northern iowa 77 nothing but uh his his thing to pre to preface it it was something like you know occidental college was 12 and 0 and uh, they beat Laverne to make the national championships. And next week they're going to play Shirley. Uh, <laughs> so be glad that your Division II uh, football team wasn't televised back then, or your baseball team. Sorry, it was the most embarrassing moment. You know, I, I thought I was so famous, and uh, to be made fun of by Merlin Olson was the highlight of my college football career. Uh, anyway, Blaine, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 4,000. I mean, that's just a crazy number. And 77 to nothing, David, really? Yeah, yeah. We didn't <laughs> know how to play in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, back, back, to, back to what you're up to, David. Yeah, how, how do you go from, you know, what was to 4,000 games at that level? 
I'm just curious as, as somebody that I'm, I know enough about AI to be dangerous, but I don't know enough about AI to answer my question. What's the automation? What's the automation involved to get to 4,000 games yeah. at every level? Oh, I mean, huge automation that's needed for yeah. to scale at that level. Right. And if you yeah. think about it, six years ago, we were doing like 10 games a year. We were just starting and beta testing this. And so it's really been the last two to three years that we've ramped up our scale. And I would say that COVID actually gave us a boost because if you think about mm -hmm. sports over the past 18 months, right, last school year, not this school year, but school year a year ago, most states were playing high school sports, but they had limited restriction for fans or zero fans were allowed. So think about you know, mom or dad, your son's playing a high school football game or a high school basketball game. You can't even go and watch it. Well, the school better have a stream available so you can see your kid play. Um, and so that's where we saw a huge increase was as there was restrictions on fan attendance, uh, more people were wanting to stream games. And it became a must have as opposed to, you know, kind of a nice to have for, for fans and for schools. And I think that adoption has carried forward. Now, obviously, there's not as many fan restrictions, um, but people have gotten used to being able to consume content when they want to and how they want to. And you, know, and you, you talked about the democratization. Uh, I'm assuming that the price point has come down as a consequence of the democratization. It has significantly. So if you yeah. look, a lot of schools, you know, colleges and high schools will look at traditional production and then they'll look at our technology. And we're usually a fraction of the cost. Uh, so, for example, we did a project with Major League Baseball recently. Uh, we produced about 500 games for them in the Draft League and Appalachian League, both lower tier uh, minor league leagues that they have. And we were roughly, you know, 150th of the cost of traditional production when they went and priced it out in the market. Uh, so, you know, the, the price, if you have a lot of games, which you have in baseball, um, the price per game is extremely low because we're kind of a fixed cost. You pay a hardware and a software fee. doesn't matter whether you're producing 10 games or 100 games. So if you're producing 100 games, you get very good economies of scale. There. That's amazing. Beyond that, I imagine as well, besides reducing the cost that, you know, coming from the sports marketing side of things and experience that I have, that this now allows uh, smaller leagues, uh, and organizations to create a profit center that wasn't available because of the amplification of the audience uh, to, you know, out of state, out of country, and just homes that they never could reach before. Is there certain areas where this profit center is more prevalent than others? Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it really opens up a new monetization channel for the lower tiered leagues, the smaller colleges, Etc. Because uh, they usually were just able to generate money off of butts in the seats, people paying for tickets, concessions, and maybe parking. And now, not only does this bring a new revenue stream, you know, in regards to a subscription business, uh, but it also amplifies the sponsorship that you can have. So now, mm -hmm. instead of just having that, you know, banner in the outfield or on the sideline of the football game, and the thousand people that are at the game seeing it, now you know, alumni from that college or fans of it across the world are able to see the game and see your brand that's associated with it. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And where, where do you see it going next? You know, obviously this is, 
more in my realm than than Blaine's. But you know, I, I'm someone who takes the technology today, make it applicable to what traditionally has been going on in sports, and then try to amplify that or to create a future of where this technology is going. Uh, because you're so deep in this technology, what are some of the things that we're going to see over the next few years because it's so affordable and because it creates a profit center? Yeah, so I think reaching really downstream in the sports ecosystem into youth sports. You know, 10 years ago, no high school games were produced. Now, you know, huge portion of the high school games are being produced. I think the next phase is going even downstream from that. 10-year-old baseball, t-ball. I mean, every game you go to, you've got parents walking around with their phone trying to capture that one special moment. So they're holding their phone up for two hours to get the 10 seconds that they really want to see. Um, so we've created products that are on top of like a small GoPro camera like this that a parent can take to their kid's basketball game, use that to capture. And then our AI works in the cloud and does all the tracking and automatic highlights um, from there. So I think, you know, where, where it goes, one is downstream even more. The second is really personalizing content. So we're using um, optical recognition to track uniform numbers of every player. We can also track when the ball goes through the hoop so that we can take a basketball game of a 10-year-old and be able to automate the moments that mom or dad want to be able to have or that the kid wants to have for his recruiting tape. So you could get just number 10's baskets after the game or just number 18's baskets, have that automatically cut up for you. Yeah, which then means that we can have, you know, the Meltzer family red zone, which is basically <laughs> exactly. you get an alert, alert on your phone that your kid made a nice play and you get to see it in real time or, you know, specifically as a replay right afterwards even, uh, which is really convenient as, a, as a, a fan or a parent as a fan that, you know, we, we get to see the plays, you know, without having to spend three hours to see the, the two good plays. And yet we can share in that experience and have a conversation afterwards about the extraordinary plays or any of the plays that uh, we now can pick up by that number uh, or any other indicator that allows us to identify it. So, uh, you know, it, it's a, it just absolutely amazing. And I'm thinking on the business context of so many different subscriptions and as well as collectibles and signables and digital uh, mm -hmm. types of memorabilia from high school, college, and even Little League. So uh, I, I'd love to keep my eye on this. And I'm sure from the smallest leagues to the biggest leagues, we'll see more, see more. of Pixelot uh, technology and our president, David Shapiro, leading the way, changing the face of our sports atmosphere and platform thanks so much for joining us yeah thank you guys for having me i've listened to your show in the past great to be a guest here yeah you did a good, good job you you. thank you guys <clears throat> thank you i just Bye. i just wish it was available uh when my three girls were cheerleading because there's nothing more painful than sitting in a loud gym to watch two minutes of cheerleading i would have liked an alert and just been able to watch it from my couch <laughs> Hey, when I, yeah, I was I was a gymnast at university, and uh, I've, I've got no record of me doing anything. And <laughs> that could be a good thing. thing. That could be a good thing to play. <laughs> that, that could, could be actually good. be a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just like I don't want to see the sad, I don't want to see the seventy-seven nothing game. So uh, <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> there should there had to be highlights there, buddy. It, more low lights but yes i enjoyed it my the first punt to me i ran up underneath it and slipped like 10 yards and watched the ball go over my head and 
got ran. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, um, takeaways for the day. What a fun episode this was with extraordinary people. Uh, what what'd you gather from today? You know, the, um, the impact of, uh, and I'm going to use the word voice in a very generalized way here. The impact of voice and voice either in a, in a, in a, uh, uh, video format. I mean, being able to capture my 10 year old doing something that there's a voice there. I mean, so the amplification, um, you know, what does it mean to have impact? I have to step up. I have to find possibilities that didn't exist before. I have to be aware of the situation and the environment. You know, what's the context calling you know, for? And one of the things that I you know, particularly like, you know, that David was talking about is, I mean, just that growth cycle, but the elegance of it, there's, it's, yeah, the democratization, price point comes down, accessibility opens up, and there's almost you know, none, you know, very minimal unintended consequences to that process. And the same is true when, um, if, uh, if you're looking at impact players, yeah, these are the folks that know how to step in and step back. Their voice, they're, they're modulating. They, they know how to dial it up, dial it back. And, you know, with, with Patricia talking about you know, bringing that that unnoticed, that unrecognized voice, amplifying it, bringing it out so that I now have presence in my life. That's, I think that's a big thing. So oh, that's a great voice. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I love that. Uh, aligned with that is just playing bigger. You know, if you look at Liz and Patricia and David, I, I think it, with technology um, it allows us to play so much bigger. And I really resonated with Patricia's confident you app. And I'm thinking, man, there's an app for everything. Uh, and then we get to, you know, obviously I would have dreamed about all, you know, just capturing all the sports that I participated in, but even more importantly, the ones my kids participated in. And I'm sure, uh, by the time I have grandkids knock on wood that, uh, we'll have the ability to, to really, capture in as you know you you'd much rather watch your kids and your grandkids succeed than any touchdown uh that you've ever scored uh there's nothing like i I will tell you from last season i I joked around but when mouse took that ball 42 yards on the first play for a touchdown and i looked at julian said this may be better than the day he was born i meant it that's uh but i would have loved to have the full video uh there forever right and maybe my reaction so um, I think because of technology, we can play bigger and we can let our light shine and give ourselves confidence to do so. And I just want to encourage everyone to allow themselves to liberate themselves for themselves and for others by playing bigger. And the only thing that should die in your life is limitations. And we yeah. are reducing limitations every day. And I appreciate my friend here, Blaine Bartlett, learn.blainebartlett.com forward slash LMM, went back to the classic mastermind t- signature there. I love it. Uh, you are welcome anytime. We're getting excited. I get to see you soon. And thank Very you soon. as always for joining me. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. I love you immensely. And uh, in the best use of the word, you are a mensch that oh. is worth hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> I love my Thursdays. You got it. Blaine you Bartlett. Go, Reach out to him. Learn.blainebartlett.com. Thank you much, bud. Awesome. Well, 
that is a great episode another great day we are blessed to be here if you need anything from me you see my email right there oops right there david at dmelter.com thank you as always and remember most importantly be kind to your future self and do good deeds we'll see you tomorrow thanks <laughs>